All right. Philippians chapter 3. We're in this series called, you say, how can he segue from that? I don't know. I'm amazing. I amaze myself with my ADD. So you got to stay up with me. So we'll be spiritual here. So we're going to go to the Bible, book of Philippians chapter 3. We're in this series talking about knowing God, which is my favorite subject. Uh, it has been my whole ministry is, is knowing the Father, knowing the Father's heart, knowing God. Jesus said eternal life is knowing God. It's not about being religious. It's not even about going to heaven. It's not about church. It's about knowing God. Anything less is not Christianity. Christianity is about a relationship with the living God through the Lord Jesus Christ. So Paul last week talked about what he bragged about. And, and he, he said, I could brag about being religious because I was more religious than anybody. But he realized all of his religion got him nothing because he was trying to earn something from God that God was trying to give to him by a gift through the Lord Jesus. Just to review, we'll pick up his story in chapter 3, verse 7, where Paul is talking about his past and his religious accomplishments. He said, but whatever was to my profit, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss compared to the surpassing greatness of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. In other words, I, he met Jesus and found out everything else he'd ever been working for was worthless. It was all about Jesus. He says, knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whose sake I've lost all things, I consider them, and the terrible translation, the word rubbish, you know, it's a, that's somebody from New England translated this, but it's the word scupula, and it's a harsh word, better if you're going to go with the old English dung or something worse. But anyway, uh, I consider them scupula or garbage that I might gain Christ. And I want to be found in him, not in myself, in Christ, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law or performance or religious accomplishment. He said, I don't want what I can get. I want what only he can give. And he says, to be found in him, verse 9, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness that comes from God and is by faith. Now, that all was Paul's way of saying, I found a relationship with God that was a gift through what Christ did, not through what I tried to accomplish. I know God, Paul's saying. I met him. Now he's going to go on. In verse 10, he says, that I want to know Christ, the power of his resurrection, the fellowship of sharing in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death. We're going to talk about that next week. Verse 11. And so somehow to attain the resurrection from the dead, not that I've already obtained it, all this, or I've already been made perfect, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself having taken hold. I, I haven't arrived. I'm still going after what God has for me. Paul says, I haven't arrived. I haven't got it. But one thing I do, forgetting what's behind, straining towards what's ahead, I press on towards the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. You know, a lifetime ago, 1975, I had come to Christ, and, and I was going to forestry school. We had a forest ranger in our last service, which was pretty cool, because uh, that was my, my dream, to be a forest ranger. 
and uh, uh, it was a great high goal. I wanted to sit in fire towers, uh, do window pane acid, and look for fires. And so that was my goal. If you don't know what that is, good, be happy. Uh, it's a poor goal. Uh, but anyway, in, in the meantime, God arrested me, literally. I got arrested, but then God captured me. Like Paul, God, uh, you know, Paul got knocked off a horse. I didn't get knocked off a horse, but I got knocked off a horse. If you come to Jesus, you're off your horse. You don't come to Jesus on your stallion. You don't ride up to Jesus and say, hey, you want me? You're coming off that horse. Paul came off his high horse onto the ground. Now, I didn't have some blinding light. I just got arrested by blue lights. And so it was, that, that started me off the horse. I didn't see, uh, hear some voice from heaven. I heard the voice of a judge put me on probation. I, I, I found Christ in the middle of crisis, but I had to come off my horse and I had to find a new purpose, a new destiny. And Paul found Jesus almost 30 years before he wrote this. 30 years. And in verse 10, I heard this as a young man. I came to Christ Forestry School, 1975. I, my buddies and I, my buddy that helped lead me to Jesus, lived in a teepee. And uh, his name was Dave Anderson. His dad pastored the Baptist church here in Fort Myers. His brother still pastors at Leonard Anderson. It's in Briarcliff. It's called, it's not Briarcliff Baptist anymore. Maybe, I don't remember the name. But anyway, Dave lived in a teepee with his dog, Shawnee. I was a hippie. I needed a, I didn't need a person with a tie. I didn't trust people with ties. They seemed like detectives. I trusted him because he had a furry cross that he wore out of animal fur and a wood cross on it and beaded, which he happened to make me one. And when my wife met me, I was wearing it. And uh, so I don't know if it was the cross that attracted her or me. I can't tell, but it was. Uh, so I met Dave. I come to Jesus and he says, hey, let's go to a, a Christian festival. Never been to one. Never been to a Christian concert. We went to Orlando, Florida to a Jesus festival in a cow pasture. Hundreds of acres of cow patties and Jesus lovers. It was the most amazing, life-changing experience of my life. I never knew there was that many Christians in the world. And it wasn't like they became later, they got merchandised and it became a business and blah, blah, blah. It was just Jesus. Jesus in the morning, Jesus in the noontime, Jesus all day. You woke up, people said, good morning, Jesus loves you. It was as close to the kingdom of God as I've ever been in my life. They had truckers hearing about it, pulling into the, 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 the venue, the, the field, and getting out saying, I want to get saved. They just needed, they heard what Jesus was doing. And these hippies in this, it was just kind of a splash over from the Jesus revolution. And we're out there just seeking God. This, this pastor said something that stuck with me to this day out of Philippians 3, he, he read, all he read was Paul's statement in 310. Let's put that, where he says, I want to know Christ. Now he said, that would be one thing to say that if he was a baby Christian. But Paul had been walking with Jesus for 30 years or close to it. Paul had seen Christ face to face on the road. Paul had raised the dead. Paul had opened the eyes of the blind. Paul had been stoned. Most people believe he died under a pile of rocks. And his buddies came and gathered around him, prayed over him. He shook the rocks off, stood back up, and it says he went on to the next town to preach the gospel. This is a guy that in 2 Corinthians chapter 12 says, he, he talks like it's a, a, someone else, but it was him. 
He had an out-of-the-body or in-the-body experience, and he was taken to the third heaven. He was taken up, and he saw things that nobody's seen. And God says, can you imagine this test? God lets you see the glory of heaven and says, you can go back now, but you can't tell anybody what you saw. How hard would that be? I'd torment me. I'd want to write a book about it. Some people have. Makes me question those books. Paul couldn't. Paul says, no, that's not what I brag about. After all these years, planted churches, seen miracles, led hundreds and thousands to Jesus, discipled men and women for the kingdom of God. After all this, he's an old guy now. He's a warrior. He's hobbled. He can't see good. He's weak. He's feeble. The other super apostles make fun of him. He's such a, he's such a quirky guy and weak and, and, and flawed and struggles. And, and, and in presence, he's, he's, he has no, there's no stage presence. He's not a good speaker. He comes along and he wraps up his life with something that you would say, wait a minute, I want to know him? You've known him? Better than anybody that's ever lived. You want to know him? You met him on the road. You've been seeking him. You spent three, maybe more years alone in the desert getting to know him. And you want to know him? What is this? It's a love relationship that Paul had discovered Christ gave up everything. He began a journey at salvation. He didn't end a journey. He didn't, it wasn't, he, it wasn't, I already got my, my passport stamped, I'm going to heaven. You don't see Paul saying, I want to go to heaven. He said, I want Jesus. But Paul, what, wait, I want Jesus. And then he says, I'm not arrived. Just because I know a few things about him, I want to know more. I'm forgetting what's behind me. He tells them that. Look what he tells the Philippians. He says, this one thing I do. He says, he says I'm, one thing I do, verse 13, I forget what's behind me. That, that doesn't mean that Paul didn't celebrate his victories. That doesn't mean Paul didn't remember his failures. But he didn't let, him, let them attach themselves to him that he found his identity in what was behind. Haven't you ever met anybody that had the most wonderful church they've ever experienced in their life? Up north somewhere, it's always up north. And they just can't find another one like it. I'm like, don't try here because we're not competing. I'll let that church win. They live in the past of a great experience. There, I have friends that were part of the Jesus revolution. But that doesn't make them on fire for Jesus today. That was an experience back then. What God did in your life is valuable when you were a kid, but not if you're not walking it out as an adult. I don't care how many times Jesus touched you in your teenage years if you're not walking with him in your 30s. God wants us to know him, not just to have met him and then just kind of walk away. Listen, over the years, next week I'm going to talk more about how we can get derailed by sin and, and the end. We have a real enemy. And, but, but here's what I've seen derail as many Christians than sin was Christians that get derailed by making something take the place of Jesus that's a good thing. And, and it starts out well-meaning. For example, the Bible. And I love the Word of God. I spend my life studying it. But you know, there's times God will dry things up, the Bible. 
There's times I open it and it's like, and I'm like, I got to tell people about this. What am I going to tell them? Greet all the same, brother. I'm like, it's dry. You know why? Because it's not about the Bible. Paul didn't say, I want to know the Bible. He said, I want to know the one that wrote the Bible. I want to know the one that the Bible's about. I want to know Jesus. That's who he's looking for. God will let good things dry up so the best thing can become your source. There's times church is dry. Shocker. I know this is more for those of you that have been around longer. Newer believers, they're like, Oh, this church is amazing. This is great. I used to go to a church. They just screamed at me, told me how bad I was. You've got good music. This is an amazing church. Hang around for a while. You'll get bored with it. You'll definitely get bored with me. I mean, there are people here that have heard stories that I've told dozens of times. They could end up, pastor, pastor. That was just two weeks ago. One guy makes notes in his Bible when I say things in scriptures and sermons he's had, he'll say, oh, pastor, you preached on that five times already in the last two years. Well, I've only got three sermons. If you haven't figured that out, I just changed the titles. You aren't on to that yet? Come on. That's the church secret. Everybody gets in. He's only got three sermons. He changes the series, makes them sound all fresh, new, and exciting. They're going to be about Jesus. Come on. I got nothing else. I get bored with myself. I get bored with me sometimes. Sometimes I'll be preaching up here going, this is terrible. It's boring. That's true. And you just press through because sometimes, and you know, a lot of people just say, well, I'll find another church that's more exciting. And it'll be exciting and fresh until you've heard their stories 19 times. Because you only have so many stories or you use other people's stories and lie about it, make them yours. I had somebody that did, they thought I told too many stories. They went to another church. The guy was telling great stories until they found him in a book that he was stealing them from somebody else. So church can get boring. Has it got boring for you yet? It can. It will. Because it's not about church. It's about the Jesus that we worship in the church. We go for Jesus. You're boring. Your small group will be boring. There's times my group is terrible, and I lead it. <laughs> but you know what? We show up and we do it because we're looking for Jesus together. And if you can find it in a church, you'll worship the church. If you can find it in a preacher, you'll worship the preacher. If you can find it in the Bible, you'll worship the Bible. If you can find it in a big charismatic worship experience, you'll worship the worship. You know, there are people that worship worship. They're not connecting to Jesus. They're connecting to their warm, fuzzy emotions that feel so good and so nice and so warm. And, but they didn't encounter Jesus. Jesus didn't mess with their stuff. Jesus didn't mess with their priorities. Jesus didn't mess with their attitudes. Jesus didn't talk to them because they're just in love with being in love. You'll dry up with worship. And you'll find out it's about him. I've done this all my life. My wife and I started, I was 22. She was 21. We started pastoring. We've been there and done that. But it's not boring because of him. Everything else is boring. Even friends. 
I, all my friends are friends that love Jesus or they wouldn't be my friends. I have people I care about, I reach out to that they haven't found Christ. But I purpose to be around people that make me want to love Jesus more. I've got one sitting here today. We've been friends for 25 years in the city and pastoring together. And every time I meet with him, he makes me want to be a better man, makes me want to be a better husband, and makes me want to be a better pastor and just love Jesus more. And I'm just grateful that Pastor George here, he just stepped down, turned his church over to Wes, who he's discipled since Wes was a teenager. Wes is now at Grace United Methodist. Uh, is that still the name? Grace. He's at Grace. Grace Church. Oh, someone's going to correct. We've got the founder right here, the pastor right here. Let's stick. Who's giving me the name of the church back here? George wants to meet you. Yeah. Do, do I know you? Where's your tithe going? Is it back? So, <laughs> there's times George is boring, though, and he's not available. He's busy. He'll be busier now than most pastors are working full time. And George is a friend. Sometimes that, that friendship dries up. And Jesus says to me, I'm your friend. Is that enough? I'm like, ah. I make idols out of friends. I make idols out of worship. I make I we all do. It's easier than doing the hard work. Paul never wanted his fire to go out for loving, seeking, knowing Jesus. Paul didn't blame his pastor or his church for his lack of fire. If you're not on fire for Jesus, own it. It's on you. I can't keep your fires going. I have a hard enough getting mine going. You think I'm going to be your fire keeper? I'll, 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 I'll go crazy. I used to try to do that. I got to blow on that person's fire. Come on, get him some more wood over here. Bring the gas over here. Let's get it. And I thought it was my job to get the church to be on fire. I've only got one heart to worry about being on fire. That's mine. That's mine. You want a bigger fire? Work on it. You can't blame it on the church, the pastor, the worship, the friends that you, you God, I want my, that's what Paul's doing here. He's saying, I'm not going to go off into a ditch and make, so, there are people that go off in the ditches of things that are good things, causes, that they, they're good causes, but they become Jesus to the people. Nothing can take the place of Jesus, even good causes, wonderful experiences. They can't take the place of Jesus. There's not enough goosebumps to keep me on fire for Jesus. I can't fall out enough and speak in tongues long enough. I can't see enough miracles and experience enough angels to keep my fire going. If it takes two angels to give me a fire, I'll need four next week. I need Jesus. I need to walk with him, talk with him. I need to live with him. I need to worship him. I need to receive from him. Paul just said this. He said, I'm going to forget what's behind. Good, bad, ugly. I can't, it don't help me now. I'll celebrate what was good, what was bad at the feet of Jesus. I'm going into a different future. I'm going into straining towards a prize. At the end of the road is Jesus for Paul. It's not heaven. Heaven's not enough. You'd get bored in heaven. Do you ever see these shows about heaven? They bore me, and I don't think it'll be anything like that, number one. But if you're not excited about Jesus, you're going to be bored in heaven. That's why a lot of people think, are we just going to sit up there and sing? 
that'd be boring. If you know Jesus, you know there's adventures on the horizon. If you know Jesus, he's not retired. He's on the throne ruling over other universes, other planets, other places, and we're going to rule with him. And I'm not going to go down that road. Bottom line is, just knowing him, when you taste him, now some of you are just beginning your journey. Some of you may begin the journey today. You meet Jesus. Wow. It's, it's, it's like a new, it's just fresh. It's new. You're most excited. I was most excited about being forgiven. That was just a big deal to me because I was dirty. I needed forgiving. And I was like, I thought that's all there was. Forgiveness and going to heaven. Hallelujah. Oh, and he loves me. Forgiveness, going to heaven, he loves me. Wow. Forgiveness, going to heaven, he loves me. He has a purpose for me. He saved me to serve him, to do something for him in his kingdom. And Paul He's like 30 years saying, I'm trying to figure what that is. Well, Paul, you've planted churches. You led people to Christ. You disciple people. You, you raise the dead. You, but he's going after whatever God has. You can't die with no vision. Some of you are here that you've in that stage of life where your career has changed. But you can't stop having vision for what God will do with you in your life. God has plans for you. He didn't save you to just let you drag through life and eventually go to heaven. He saved you because he's got a purpose for you. He loves spending time with you. He loves you. It's a miracle. Most people have other opinions of you, but he loves you. So has he dried up some streams for you? Well, don't go running away. Don't quit reading the Bible because it got dry. Try reading in a different way. Listening to it on, 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 on your phone. Listening to someone read it that has a better sounding voice than yours. Uh, do something that's, uh, th that stirs you. Uh, put on some worship music. Try listening to something. Do something. If it's not working and your fire isn't burning, do something different that helps ignite the fire. I'm not sure what that is. The Lord of doesn't have to always something significant as far as some world change in your life, but you got to own your flame. Paul owned his, and he's never going to sit back and go, I'm here. He kept saying several times in these verses, I'm, I'm nowhere near arrived. When you think you've made it, you've lost it. Paul never said, I've got that. I, I got this Jesus thing down, this Holy Spirit, this kingdom of God thing. I got this down. He said, if anything I know about Jesus, Paul says, is I don't know much about Jesus. When we get to heaven, we'll probably find out that most of us were on a kindergarten, first grade level of knowing Christ. Paul was maybe a middle schooler. I don't know that there would be anybody above Paul. We're going to find out we don't know much of anything, but we get to know him forever in fresh, new, wonderful ways. If he told us in the book of Ephesians that his love is past understanding, past finding it out. You cannot grasp the dimensions of his love. So I just say to you this morning, Vineyard folks, do you know him? So I'm not sure. I'm going to help you. You don't know him if you don't know him. It's not a, it, it, again, I'm not asking if you had some 3D vision. I'm not asking if you had some bright light, angels appear to you. That, that, that's superficial. I'm saying, have you heart, heart to heart 
surrendered your life to Christ, where you've said, Jesus, take all of me. You captured me. Have you done that? If you haven't, you could do that today. It's not about being religious or getting your act all together. It's about knowing him. Then, if you know him, are you pursuing him as a passion of your life? Or are there other things that are more important than pursuing Jesus and he's like secondary at best? He'll never settle for that. He'll never be your co-pilot. He's not your assistant. He's your king. And he wants you to love him and know him. Do you know him? Then get to know him better. There's more. There's more. One of my dear friends, and again, you, you've heard my stories. If you stay around, you'll hear them all. Uh, Kim's grandpa, Heimer Locke, Saint, the patriarch of the family. When I ask her family to, for her hand in marriage, they sent me to him. And he had a big knife, pocket knife. He was cleaning his fingernails or something, whittling. I was already intimidated. And he looked at me, and he, kind eyes, but he looked at me and he said, the Bible says, always be ready to give an answer to anybody that asks you why you have hope in your heart. It's a Bible verse in Peter. And I thought, he wants to know my testimony. He wants to know if I know him. He doesn't want me to know her until I know him. He's not given her until he's heard that I've given me to him. Do you know him? And I told him my story. And he let me have her hand in marriage. And over the years, his mind slipped and he had Alzheimer's. And, but he would tell the same stories over and over. Nobody ever stopped him because they were such good stories. He would come to the punchline. Before he said it, he'd start crying. He would be laughing so hard. He knew what was coming because he knew the story and his tears. We never dishonored him and said, we've heard that before. Because you know what now? We live in the memories of that story. And we'd love to sit in his presence and have him repetitively give them to us over and over again. Because we love him. One of our dear friends, Bob Mannershad, is in heaven. I talk about him all the time. He's my hero. And uh, best heroes are dead heroes, by the way. They just are. He's finished. And a and, uh, great man of God. But he self-made millionaire, lived up on Captiva. Uh, we got to know each other early on. I was a brand-new pastor. He was a brand-new Christian. I discipled him in some ways. He discipled me in many. But he would always, he taught me, he was never impressed with big-name preachers, personalities, TV people. And because he, he'd found Christ and like, he, was, he was impressed with people that were humble. I would bring big names because I could get just about anybody I wanted to come to Sanibel, put them up in a condo, and they'd speak at the church. So I had my favorite heroes, and, and, and two of them turned out to be uh, broken sexually, homosexual, uh, hidden, and uh, one of them was an adulterer uh, running around. On, I mean, and these were big-name celebrity Christian people. And I'd take them around Bob, and I'd be all caught up with them. And he'd say, that guy has no relationship with his wife. What are you talking about? I mean, you know, blah, blah, blah. Come to find out, he had no relationship with his wife. I had a picture of one of them on my wall in my office. And Bob, in his subtle way, came in one day, sat in my office. He said, do you want me to help you get some incense to burn to that picture? I was so angry. I, I was, you know when you get angry, but you know they're right? 
and I realized the lights came on. I've made an idol out of this guy. He was, had the gift of prophecy more than I've ever heard. But I was wowed by the gift, and I didn't see the character. Bob would only see the character. He would only be impressed if somebody was humble, kind, generous to the poor. He had a ministry. He went to a, There was an African-American lady that, that uh, he would go visit. She had her own self-made little orphanage. She had no support, no finances. And he said, how do you survive? And she, I think she had, did she have a little keyboard? She had a little keyboard and she just, she says, I'll tell you how I survive. She banged out this little song. It's just Jesus and me, Jesus and me, Jesus and me. And she sang it over and over. Her head was back. Tears were running down her face. And Bob sat there and said, the kingdom of God was there. She wasn't on TV. She didn't have any big anything. She just had Jesus. And Jesus and me, that's enough. That's enough. It doesn't mean I don't get things from him, from his word, from worship, from church, from small group, from friends, from experiences in the spirit. That's all good, but I can't live by any of that. It goes away. I can't live by what God did in my past. Forget what's mine. I celebrate it, but I can't live off of it. I can't live off of repentance that I made 20 years ago. I got to repent today. It's a new day. Paul was obsessed with the shining glory of Jesus every day. That doesn't mean every day was exciting. He just knew Jesus was Jesus every day. Ordinary days, mundane days, hard days, got to go through hard time days. Jesus and me, it's just Jesus and me. Can you say that? Is it you and Jesus? He wants it to be that. But again, you're the keeper of your flame. If you're not letting him come and love on you, if you're not spending time with him, talking to him, letting him talk to you, developing that relationship. Relationships die if they're not kept up. If you don't, if you don't work at it, Paul, that's why Paul couldn't live off of what he'd experienced 20 years ago. He said, I want to know him. I want to know him better today than I knew him yesterday. And it's not knowing him in an, in an entertainment way. It's knowing him in a friendship way, in a lordship way, in a wonder way. In a, like, like Kim was saying about seeing a rainbow and just saying, God, you're wonderful. If you can see a rainbow and it doesn't stir your fire, your flame is wet. If you see a sunset and the beauty and the glory. Kim's got this new thing God does for her. It's after the hurricane. I don't know why it happened. But every night, over our house now, we have flocks of these big, I don't know what kind of birds. They get a big, long beak. I don't know if they're wood stork or I, I don't know what they are. But there's hundreds of them. And they fly right over our pool. And she just sits out there and I can't get her out. She says, there's more coming. And she thinks they're talking to her now. She's okay. She's all right. <laughs> One of them winked at her the other day. She's convinced that because she knows God sent those birds. Why aren't they over somebody else's pool? Because they, maybe they wouldn't appreciate it like she does. They've changed their flight pattern since the hurricane. We never had them come over our home. I don't know what that had to do with anything other than the wonder. Wonder. He's wonderful. All right. We're done. We're done. In seminary, they would call that crashing the, the plane, crashing the landing. You know, I crashed. I'm done. 
Let's pray together. It's just Jesus in me, in me, with me, through me. I want you to experience him this morning. Not a head knowledge, not a, all your, your questions are answered, but meeting today if you don't know him. Just say, Jesus, I want to know you. Just simply whisper that to him. And, and, and it's not about changing all, everything that needs to change in your life. Let him do that. He'll help you. Jesus wants to have a living relationship with you. It begins with trust and a surrender. But just you saying, Jesus, come be Lord of my life. Just invite him online. If you're watching us wherever you are and you've not sealed the deal and you don't have that, today sitting in here in church. This is your day. It's not about relatives. It's not about friends. It's you. It's just Jesus and me. It's just Jesus and me. Come, Lord Jesus. Capture hearts today that'll begin a journey of knowing you. Lord, there's many that do know you here, but maybe they've grown weary. Streams have dried up. I thank you that you dry streams up that we like to drink out of so that we can come to you. For you're the fountain that every stream comes from. We chase the blessings back to you. So freshen your word to us again. Let worship, even as we sing, let it be a fresh encounter with your wonder. Let us get beyond us. Lord, friendships that have grown weary and cold, Lord, revive your friendship with the hearts of these that are grieving. Come, Jesus. Come, Jesus.